It's a beautiful morning. What a wonderful opportunity, blessing that we have to, to come together to remember our Creator, to worship Him, to remember that great sacrifice of His Son. We've had beautiful praises to God this morning. Appreciate very much the prayer on my behalf. It's my prayer that as we go through this lesson this morning, that it'll be things uh, said from God's Word that are the truth, and it'll help better equip us to live and to serve God. <clears throat> Titus gave a wonderful lesson here a couple of weeks ago. The title of it was, How Does the Spirit Lead Us? I appreciated that lesson a lot. It, it kind of got me, made me thinking a lot and, and, and applying that to our lives. He paralleled Romans, the 8th chapter, and Galatians, the 5th chapter. And he did a really good job with that. Showing us, talking about that carnal mind versus the, the spiritually minded. Living after the flesh versus living through the Spirit and the difference in those. And I'd like to use those two passages as a springboard to get us into the to lesson this morning. In Romans, the 8th chapter... Verses 5 and 6. It says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You know, these are two different paths that leads to two different places. And they're very different from one another. The fruits of each life is very different from one another. Verses 12 and 13 says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. What do we feed our mind? What are we doing for our mind to allow it to be spiritually minded rather than being filled with things that will uh, make us be fleshly minded? What is in our mind? Is it spiritual things? Is it carnal things? The difference is death and life. The difference is misery of sin in this life and certainly misery in the hereafter or life, a good life here. Feelings of a good conscience. Feelings of knowing you have confidence in your salvation. It's living through the Spirit. How does the Spirit lead us? Titus did a wonderful job teaching us how we are led by the Spirit and how we're not led by the Spirit. We're led by the Spirit through the inspired Word of a God and applying that to our lives. And what does that allow us to do? What power does that give us? It allows us to mortify the deeds of the body. Mortify means to put to death. Living through the Spirit, living by the inspired Word of God, allows us to put to death the things of the flesh. And it's a battle. Galatians, the fifth chapter, verse 16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. See, that's what we do when we fail to live through the Spirit. 
For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Why do we not do the things that we would? And what's meant by that is, why do we not do the things that we know we should do? The things we want to do. The things we know that, that, feel we, that we can feel good about. And thankful for, and at peace with. We know what those things are. But we've got this battle going on within us, and we fail to do those things. Somehow we talk ourselves out of those things and into things that we know that are harmful, that's not going to make us feel good, that's going to make us feel guilty, that's going to hurt us. Fulfilling the flesh. It's a battle that goes on. They're in conflict with one another. They're in opposite directions of one another. When the flesh wins, we don't do those things that we should. We do the things that we can read about in verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Here we see all different types of sin listed. We see those sexual sins, like adultery and fornication. Those relations outside of the marriage. Uncleanness, lasciviousness. Those are sins, sexual sins that are, that are other, other than adultery and fornication. Lust. Getting involved in pornography, things like this. We see sins toward God, like adultery. We see sins towards others, like hatred, variance. Variance means sowing discord. How much, how much time is spent on social media creating variance, creating discord? People go on there with the purpose of sowing discord. Another sin towards others is Emulation, that's jealousy, being envious of others. Murder. There's sins toward the church, like seditions, causing divisions, heresies, false teaching. Sins that I, I just called towards ourself, like drunkenness, revelings, going to parties where there's drinking and wild stuff going on, and such like. Yes, such like can cover a whole lot of areas. There's those sins of the tongue that are always a struggle with. As I have told you in time past, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God, and they shall not. Thanks be to God and Jesus, we have a Savior. We have the shed blood of Jesus that will forgive us. If we've obeyed the gospel, that blood can cleanse us. Thanks be to God. But we cannot continue in sin. We have to fight. This is a battle. The flesh versus the spirit. It's a battle every day in us. And we've got to, we've got to fight. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verse 11, it says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. 
Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be, un <clears throat> Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. To live wisely is to live morally. It's to make wise moral decisions. To walk circumspectly. Circumspectly means precisely with great care. Intentional. Intentionally making decisions on what we're going to say and what we're going to do. Not as fools. And we're talking about foolish, we're not talking about intellect, we're not talking about intelligence, we're not talking about IQ. We're talking about unbelief. We're talking about those that have no knowledge of God, don't want a knowledge of God, or if they do, they're going to live in rebellion against Him. It's living in sin apart from God. We need to redeem the time. We're not promised tomorrow. If there's changes that we need to make in our life, we need to make those changes because sin is real. This battle within us is real. We have a large group of young people that's about to graduate. Congratulations on your accomplishment. This battle is going to reach a whole new level for you. And whenever you're leaving, you're not going to be right there under the under the watchful eye of mom and dad and those that love you. It's our prayer as parents that the things that you've taught, the things that you've heard from the church, the things that you've heard from God's Word, that those things are applied, that you live them out because they'll save you. They'll save you some trouble. They'll give you a happy life. And they'll save your soul rather than the misery of the foolish. Not applying those things. The wise, as we know, hear God's word and does them. The foolish hears God's word but does not. Don't be foolish. Proverbs, the first chapter, beginning in verse 2, tells us the purpose of Proverbs. It says, To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. To give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. The purpose of Proverbs is to give us subtlety. subtlety. Subtlety means to be prudent. Prudent means that we're conscious, conscious in our thinking. We're going to make wise decisions. We're going to think before we step, before we jump. We're going to use common sense with what we do and what we say so that we do those things that are right and not wrong. That's, that's subtlety. Discretion. Making sure that the things we do, our behavior, our speaking, is without offense to other people. Be careful. Be mindful about what we say and do. In James, the first chapter, beginning in verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. 
For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Sin is a process. We need to prevent that process from happening. Temptation is not the sin. We all face temptation. We're blessed when we do what? When we endure that temptation. Enduring temptation winds up being a crown of life. Failure to endure temptation ends up in sin, which ends up in death. Spiritual death. Eternal death. Separation from God. And misery for eternity. We need to prevent that process of sin from happening. Temptation is something that must be endured. <clears throat> In Proverbs the 7th chapter, we're going to read this morning about a sad story of a young man that does not endure. I would encourage you to open up your Bibles and turn to Proverbs the 7th chapter. Um, the scriptures will be on the board, but we're going to be going back and forth and looking at some other scriptures. And, and I would encourage you to open up that chapter as we go through there so you can see all the scriptures in context together. It's a tragic story, yet it's something that plays out in our lives. <clears throat> in Proverbs, the seventh chapter, in verse 6, it says, For at the window of my house I looked through my casement. Here we see an example, this proverb that's about to be given. And it's as if, you know, the person looking through that window is able to see this whole thing plan out. The thoughts, all the actions, what's going on in public, what's going on in private. And all this is able to be seen. Verse 7. And beheld among the simple ones, I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding. Remember what the, pro the, the purpose of a proverb is? It's to give understanding, to give subtlety. Psalms 19 and verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The, the law of the Lord is perfect. It gives us everything we need to know to be wise. Instead of being simple, to become wise. Psalms 119 and verse 130 says, The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. We can't live our lives being simple-minded. Ignorant of God's laws, rebellious of them, and just going about living to fulfill the flesh, not allowing the Spirit to work in us. The Word of God provides instruction of wisdom. It provides knowledge. It provides discretion to the young. This young man, he's void of that. He doesn't have it. Whether he wasn't taught it, whether he didn't want it, whether he rebelled against it, he doesn't have it. You know, as we go through this, we're going to see a, 
a young man that falls to the sin of adultery, of fornication. But I want all of us to think about our own lives, because this could be any sin. We talked about, we read about the works of the flesh. We all struggle with some sin. It may not be adultery, but it's some sin that we struggle with. And I want each of us, I want myself, let's place ourselves in this situation. Let's think about the sin that we struggle with and the process that we go through when we fail to endure. Hebrews, the 12th chapter in verse 1 says, Wherefore, sin we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Sin does not allow us to run that race that God would have us to, to run. And we need to get rid of that sin that so easily besets us. Beset means to skillfully surround I've said it before in the pulpit. I've said it before. You know, again, you know, I enjoy those nature shows. Watched one last night of, of lions hunting their prey. When they hunt prey, especially prey that's faster than them, they skillfully surround their prey. They beset their prey. Some go around so that when they're flushed by the ones in front, the ones in back can pounce. That's what that sin that so easily besets us does. That's what that sin that I struggle with does to me. It's surrounding me all the time. Skillfully surrounding me. Waiting for an opportunity. Waiting for an opening. Waiting for a weak point to make me fall. What is your besetting sin? You know, I don't have a problem with drunkenness. Never have. It just, I have absolutely no desire to drink alcohol and ever get to that point. I don't have a problem with murder. I've been angry before. It, it never, I can't imagine committing murder. Those are not sins that beset me. But there are sins that beset me. There are sins that constantly surround me and threaten me and dog me all the time. I've got to endure those things. Proverbs 22 and 3 says, A prudent man foresees the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. The prudent thinks, thinks about what's coming, thinks about what we're seeing, considers whether it's right, whether it's wrong, where this is going to go, the consequences of it. The simple just go right head on. Unfortunately, that's what this young man does that we're going to read about. Proverbs 24 and verse 30 says, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles and covered the face thereof and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Here we see the sin of slothfulness. And what did it cause? It caused a vineyard that should be a beautiful, productive vineyard in disarray. Falling apart. Filled with thorns and thistles. 
The walls are just falling apart. It's in decay. Not able to be fruitful. Not able to produce the grapes that it should be, that it should be producing. Because nothing was done. No preparations were made. And the proverb is, I saw and considered it and received instruction. We need to receive instruction. We need to see the sin that so easily besets us, receive instruction on it, learn from it, and endure. 2 Peter 2 and verse 9 says, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation, and who reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. He always provides us a way of escape. But the unjust choose no escape and receive punishment. Back in Proverbs 7, as we continue the story, verse 8 and 9 says, Passing through the street near her corner, and he went the way to her house, in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. This young man was purposefully in the wrong place, at the wrong time. Proverbs 4, 14 and 15 says, Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. When there's something evil going on, we need to get out of there. And when there's a position in our lives, something that tempts us, we need to avoid it. We don't need to pass by it. We need to run from it. Pass away, not just keep going right into it. 1 Corinthians 6 and 18 tells us to flee fornication. We have to do something. We have to take action when we're tempted. We've got to do something about it. Hopefully it's flee from it, but there's other things we can do. We may need to drop to our knees and go to God in prayer. Open the Bible. Quote scripture. Call someone that we trust. Let them know we need help. We're struggling. We need to think about something else. Sometimes we dwell on temptation. Brings us enjoyment just to think about it. And when that happens, we continue to get deeper into it and commit sin. This man, purposefully, wrong place, wrong time. It's late, it's night. He should be at home sleeping. Should be in the safety of his house, but he's not. This young man thinks he's hidden. It's dark. Many sins committed in the dark are regretted in the light. Jeremiah 23 and 24 says, Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I feel heaven and earth, saith the Lord? The Lord is everywhere. He knows everything. We can't hide. There's not a place that we can hide from God. Romans 6, chapter, verse 1 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? We can't keep putting ourselves in the same sorry, tempting situations. If there's a sin that besets us, that's always around us, that's always dogging us, know it. Be aware of it. Take action. Be prepared. Think ahead. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it. 
We can't keep doing it to ourselves. Verse 10. And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart. What this woman look like? I'm not sure. Probably shirt too, uh, skirt too short, too tight, too low cut. She knows what her intentions are. She's dressed the part. He knows what her intentions are. It's that way with any sin. It's that way with any temptation. Proverbs 23 and 31 says, Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last, it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. You know, if alcohol is our problem, yeah, they taste good. They make us feel good. Whatever sin it is that gives us some kind of gratification, we know what it is. We know what it looks like. We know what its intentions are. Lying. Lying does the same thing. Before we tell a lie, there's a process that goes through our mind. This process of sin that we talked about in James. What's this lie going to do for me? Well, this lie is going to keep me out of trouble. This lie is going to make me some money. This lie is going to prevent some heartache. This lie looks good. But it still is what it is. And we need to recognize it and not fall to it. Verse 11 and 12. She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Now is she without. Now in the streets. And lieth in wait at every corner. Temptation makes itself known. It makes itself known to us. Temptation is going to find a way to get our attention. And it's loud and it's stubborn. It's persistent. It doesn't want to go away. Especially that that so easily besets us. Verse 13. So she caught him and kissed him and with an impudent face said unto him. Temptation and sin is aggressive. When it sees us, when it sees a weak point, weak point's going to grab a hold of us. Impudent means bold and shameless. It's the way this woman is. That's the way temptation is. And it's very convincing, isn't it? It's very convincing. Verse 14. She says, I have peace offerings with me. This day I have paid my vows. Wow, she goes into a whole different place. Jesus even stoops to using religion. In Leviticus, the seventh chapter, we can read about the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings. Verse 11 says, And this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer unto the Lord. Then down in verse 16, it goes through this and explains peace offerings and how those are conducted. 
Verse 16, it says, But if the sacrifice of this offering be a vow or a voluntary offering, it shall be eaten the same day that he offered his sacrifice. And on the morrow also the remainder of it shall be eaten. Evidently, this woman, she says, this, her peace offering was a vow. Right? Action needs to be taken. Sin tries to convince us it is not what it appears. Convinces us that it's all right. In this situation, it's okay. This woman tries to appear religious to the young man. I've got this feast. It has to be consumed today. It's ready for us. Come join me. Go back to the lie. The example of a lie. You know, the truth will, the truth will be more damaging. The lie is right in this situation. It's just the right thing to do. We'll convince ourselves. Or some other sin. You know, I just deserve it. I deserve to partake in this sin. It's been a hard day. It's been a hard week. I deserve it. Temptation can be very, very convincing. Verse 15, Therefore came I forth to meet thee diligently to seek thy face, and I have found thee. She's diligent. She's in a hurry. It's already night time. The meal must be consumed. Seems reasonable. The hypocrisy of this woman using following the ceremonial law while seducing him to violate this great moral law. Before we commit sin, we usually have to convince ourselves that it's reasonable. And as odd as that seems from here, when it's safe, when we're not being tempted, we know it's true. When we've committed sin, we've thought about it before we commit those sins. And we reason with ourselves. And somehow, we get to a point to convince ourselves it's okay. As ridiculous as it is, we fall to it too many times. <clears throat> and when we do, we sin. Verse 16 and 17 says, I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works, with fine linens of Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Further enticement. The longer he listens, the more tempted he becomes, and lust is conceived. How often do we dwell on things that we shouldn't? How often do we, think, do we think on things that we shouldn't and allow it to take seed? Allow that lust to be conceived. Verse 18, she says, Come, let us take our field of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with love. This is not love. It's lust. Adultery is not love. It's physical attraction, physical gratification. We can dress it up any way we want to. It is what it is, and it's sin. But we have a way of dressing up sin, don't we? We have a way of calling it something else, 
convincing ourselves that it's something else. That it's okay. We can call it what we want. We can use every excuse we want for it. It's all sin. When we violate God's word, when we fail to do those things that we should, it's all sin every time. She says, let us solace ourselves with love. Solace means comfort in a time of distress or sadness. Do we solace ourselves with sin? Convince ourselves that we deserve it? That it's okay because it's been such a hard day and a sorry situation that we find ourselves in? So we seek solace from sin. Opposite of where we should seek solace. Verse 19 and 20. You know, if there is any hesitation left in this young man, if there's any at all on the part of this young man, she's ready for it. And she's ready for us. Temptation knows what to do next. Verse 19, For the goodman is not at home. He has gone a long journey. He hath taken a bag of money with him and will come home at the day appointed. Question is, what if I get caught? Temptation gives us assurance that no one will know. The sin won't be found out. The secret is safe. It wants to stomp out any second guessing that we have. And this woman wanted to make sure she stomped out any second guessing that the young man may have had. You're not going to get caught. Psalms 139 and verse 1. O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and my rising up. Thou understandest my thought afar off. God knows when we're sitting down. He knows all of us right now. He knows we're sitting in the pew. And when the service is over, we stand up for the invitation. He knows we're standing. He knows everything about us. And it doesn't matter how, where we are, when. He knows our thoughts. Certainly knows when we engage in sin. <clears throat> Verse 21, with her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. This young man did not heed the warning. He used no judgment, no discretion, no understanding. When the location, when the setting, when the time was allowed, the seduction was easy. And it is for us when the location and the setting, and the time is allowed, and we put ourselves in some sorry situations that causes us to be tempted. We want to play with it. We want to get as close to it as we can. And it besets us. It skillfully surrounds us and attacks us. Verse 22 
We convince ourselves that we can do this. We convince ourselves we can get kind of close, but it's not going to affect me like that. I can play with it just a little. And the seduction then is easy. Matthew 26 and verse 41. Christ told the apostles, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's all about the spirit and the flesh, isn't it? Not letting the flesh win. It's about living through the Spirit. He told them, watch and pray. He knew what was coming. He knew the situation, the sorry situation that the apostles were about to be in. He knew what they needed. It's a fight. Do something. Fight. If a right eye causes us to fend, to fend, pluck it out. Fight. Don't give in to that temptation. Verse 22. He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth after, goeth to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. He did not see the destruction ahead. He is ignorant of the danger. Cattle have no idea when they're about to be slaughtered. They can just be led by a bucket of feed or whatever, have no idea that it's the end. But you know, if they're surrounded by a pack of wolves, they know exactly what it is. And they're ready to defend. This young man's ignorant. He hadn't prepared himself. He's a fool. Not wise and not prepared. Verse 23, Till a dart strike through his liver as a bird hasteth to the snare and knoweth not that it is his life. This was temptation's goal all along. An arrow to the liver is lethal. A bird in the snares to be eaten. And as we read about in James, it brings forth death. The worst kind of death. Spiritual death. Eternal death. Verse 24. It says, Hearken unto me now. Solomon says, Listen. Listen. O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Young people, Listen. Listen to your parents. Some of you very young ones, you may not really understand what all this has been about as we've read this morning. But listen to your parents. Gladly submit to your parents. Obey your parents. Learn from them. Because when you do that, you can learn from God. And you'll be prepared to learn from God and to submit to God. Adolescents, obey those curfews. Obey those cell phone restrictions. Listen to your parents when they tell you the same things over and over and over. As you can read through Proverbs, Solomon says things over and over and over. Listen to me, he says. It's to protect you. 
to give you the knowledge, the understanding, the discretion, the wisdom that you need not to fall to temptation. Not to give in to the flesh. But you know, every age bracket is tempted to sin. The temptations may change, but they're always there. Paul's letter to Titus addressed those different ages. Chapter 2, verse 2 says that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, and charity and patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Every age doesn't matter. We have to deal with temptation. Proverbs, the first chapter, verse 22 says, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Simplicity is not remedied by time. Just because we reach another age, a certain age, does not mean we're wise doesn't mean that we're no longer foolish. It doesn't mean that we're no longer simple. The world, this country, it's scary. The delight that's being taken in sin and just being shoved in our face. They hate knowledge. They hate wisdom. They hate anything from God. Wisdom is gained by choice and by spiritual growth, not time, not age. Proverbs 7, verse 25 says, Let not thine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her paths. It says, Let not your heart. It's a choice that we make. We need to own it. We need to own the sins that we commit. Acknowledge them and do something about them. Verse 26, For she hath cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. It's not just the weak. We put ourselves in the wrong place, the wrong time, with the wrong thoughts, with the wrong reasons. Many lives of good men have been ruined by women such as this or by the television or by the internet or lies or money or business dealings or cell phones or uncontrolled tongues or gossip. Verse 27, Her house is the way to hell going down to the chambers of death. There is no heavenly home for women like this or the men that they seduce or any of those sins that we read about in Galatians, the fifth chapter, unless we repent of those, thing, those things. Thanks be to God, there's Jesus Christ. There's His blood that cleanses us. We need to seek God. We need to receive instruction. We need to get understanding. Proverbs 15 and 32 says, He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul, but he that heareth reproof 
getteth understanding. It's how we become spiritually minded rather than carnally minded, rather than living after the flesh. James 1 and 12 says, Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Romans 6 and verse 12 says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of righteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. We need to grow up spiritually and not let sin reign in us. If it is reigning in you, if you've got problems with sin, if you've never become a child of God, if you've never obeyed the gospel, you have absolutely no remedy for your sin. But there's hope in Christ. If you've been properly taught, come forward this morning. You can repent of your past life. You can confess Christ before this audience. You can be buried with Him in baptism, and that blood of Jesus will cleanse you of any and all sin. If you've done that, but we've struggled and struggled with sin. The flesh has been winning. You need the prayers of the church. You need help from your brothers and sisters in Christ. Come forward and let your desires be known as we stand and sing.